Mike Oresco, welcome to the Illuminati podcast. Thank you. Thanks for coming. This is one of the best events in college sports, I think, having so many people here supporting Title IX, supporting women's sports. Talk about why this event is so great and why Mohegan Sun is the perfect place to host it. Oh, there's no question Mohegan is the perfect place. And and by the way, that is something our, our teams have accepted. It's obviously an advantage for UConn being in Connecticut, being it's not a home court, but they, they know the area. The fans here are all, you know, for the most part, UConn fans. But they understand that this is the best attended tournament in the country. It's probably the best tournament in the country overall. And also, the fans really appreciate women's college basketball, so they enjoy the other teams too, and they often show up for the other games. Yes. So uh, these student athletes might be playing in front of sparse crowds other, other places. You know, women's tournaments have struggled, and, and uh, men's tournaments have struggled. You know, those are, you know, they're played during the week, partly on weekends and places where fans might not find it easy to get to. So you've got to really be careful in how you, you do it. And we, I think, have the right formula here. Mohegan treats us great. It's a beautiful place. It's clean as a whistle. It's well run. Everybody loves the arena. They like the shops around, the restaurants. It's, 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 an, it's a destination for our, 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 our kids as well as our coaches and administrators. So I haven't heard one complaint about it in the five years we've been here. It's, it's a great spot for our tournament, there's no question. I think about like the West Coast Conference in New Orleans in Vegas where they have the men and the women in the same building at the same time. Is that something you would consider in the future, pulling everything in here to Mohegan? We're not fans of that. You know, I had some experience with that at, um, at CBS when the Pac-12 tried it. It was Pac-10 in those days. You know, they had women and men at the same place. And I think, unfortunately, uh, the women's tournament got overshadowed by, by the men's tournament, and I don't want that to happen. I think they need their own place. Uh, also, uh, scheduling issues arose, and, and that wasn't good either because it's really not easy to do. What if you have a, a double overtime game or an mm -hmm. overtime game? There were some issues, I remember, with that, and I think the Pac-12 abandoned that formula, you know, that, that, uh, that protocol. So I'm happy with keeping them separate. I think the women deserve their own tournament and their own place. We'll get into some of the things that have been said about you lately, but uh, Sean Fraser, the Northern Illinois Athletic Director, accused you of bullying the College Football Playoff Committee. He said you created false narratives and that before the split from the Big East to the American Athletic Conference that the football teams were, quote, horrible. You've made some responses previously. I don't know what I, I saw some pretty good football there at the end of the year. I saw that USF-UCF game and I think four million other people did as well. Um, and of course the conference championship game, which was another a classic. You got back-to-back -back classics there in Orlando. To mention the Peach Bowl. And the Peach Bowl, <laughs> pretty good game as well. So if you, if you see all these things and you, you see comments like that, from a, from a fellow college athletics professional, what comes to mind and what, what do you, how do you respond? Well, I guess, you know, you, you mentioned several things. I guess I could try to address them if I <laughs> remember them all. But look, you know, it's a free country and you can say what you want. We don't denigrate other conferences. We don't attack other conferences. We never have. It's been about us. It's not about other people. And, you know, Mr. Frazier can say whatever he wants. Uh, I think those comments are unfortunate, to be honest with you. Uh, they're not accurate at all. First of all, we don't bully the committee. That's ridiculous. The committee can't be bullied. And we're stating uh, what we think is fact. And I'm convinced, and I'll stand by it, that UCF was not ranked high enough, that there is an issue with uh, ranking uh, so-called G5 teams, and that that G5 divide is a real issue. And we'll take it up with the committee. You know, this whole business about strength of schedule, not appreciating our league, look what we've done the last five years. This business about a false narrative, the P6, it's not even a narrative anymore, it's reality. Uh, we've won 26 you know, P5 football games in three years. We've been in on New Year's Day three times in five years, and we easily could have been there more. But we, we won a game against a top 10 team each time. That's not a fluke. When you do that, it's not a fluke. When you have 17 NFL draft picks last year and the Big 12 has 16, that's not a fluke. 
when you have a, a women's uh, three women's national championships, one men's national championship in basketball, it's not a fluke. So to, to say those things, it's not accurate. Oh, but I didn't want to address, when I responded to Dennis Dodd's article, I didn't want to address you know that particularly in the article. But as we talk about it, I'm going to defend our conference and defend what we're doing. Our P6 narrative is about us. We don't ever denigrate anyone else, and we respect everyone else. But as you know, we're pretty close to that P5 group, and we're trying to get into that group. And we've got a dozen schools that are working hard at it. 13, if you you know Wichita and basketball. And the other thing is, we had six of those schools that were in the old BCS or the old Southwest Conference. Now they had a taste of it, and they want to get back. You know, uh, in terms of, I, I, you know, you mentioned some other things too, Colin. I, I, I you know, again. I would just say we're going to keep at it. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. Uh, there's no question we've made huge progress. There's no question the narrative changed. When we started five years ago, and you know, you said he mentioned that we had horrible teams. Again, not a particularly nice thing to say, but you know what? The truth is, and I've pointed this out, and this is the irony, our teams were down when uh, this conference got reinvented five years ago. We had a series of teams that were, in fact, two and 10, three and nine, Memphis was, I think, a 319, but they had Justin Fuente in place. Temple was, I think, 2 and 10, but they had Matt Rule in place. You know, USF was, had been down after being up for a while, and, you know, they had Willie Taggart in place, who's, who did great with turnarounds. Houston was average, and then look what they did. Tulsa was down, uh, and then they hired Philip Montgomery, and suddenly a 210 team becomes a top team. What I recognize at that time is we had all these great coaches in place. And we knew that we had Cincinnati was strong, East Carolina was strong, but these other teams would get better. And the other thing about this league, I thought it would do what the old Big East used to do. When teams got in, Cincinnati and Louisville were not powerhouses in football when they joined the old Big East, but look what they did in that league. The same thing here, even without the benefit of being a BCS conference or a so-called autonomy conference, look what this group has done. And I thought if they stayed together, they could become as good a football conference as any in the country. We added Navy, and look how good they've been. This is not the Navy of 10 or 15 years ago. This is not your grandfather's Temple, not your grandfather's Memphis. You know, UConn will come back with Randy Edsel. Look at the coaches we've hired. Look at the great young coaches we've hired. We've lost a lot of them, but look at how many good ones we've hired, and we keep replacing them. One last thing, Colin, I'll say. Five years ago, I knew that this group had a commitment to somehow get back into this what was really essentially the BCS, the autonomy group. And, and they followed through and the administrators have shown that commitment. They've spent money, they've done everything they can, and believe me, it's hard scrabble for us because we don't have the revenue right now. We hope to get a lot more in a new TV deal, but we don't have it right now. But they've done it anyway. They've been very shrewd, careful evaluators of talent. They've done a great job with their coaches, hiring coaches. They've done what they could with their facilities to make them you know, first rate. We've got a lot of new stadiums around or renovated stadiums. There's been a lot that we've done. And so consequently, yeah, ironically, you know, there were a lot of teams that were down. I'd never use the, the term horrible about any team, but nevertheless, they were down, but they're not down anymore, and they're not ever going back to that either. They may have a bad year once in a while, but they're not going back to where they were. They're going to be competing at a high level. And then finally, I'll just say one last thing, and I said it in this article, my goal is to make sure we compete at the highest level of college athletics, period. I don't want our kids thinking that they're second-class citizens. Not when you win the Fiesta Bowl, not when you win the Peach Bowl twice against top teams. And by the way, that UCF team can play with anyone. If they'd gotten to play in the national championship Final Four, they could have won it. I guarantee you. You see what Shaquem Griffin is doing at the Combine? I don't think anybody even appreciated it. We see him. 
they don't appreciate how good he is, how fast he is, how, how talented he is, how athletic he is. Not to mention he's a great kid and it's a wonderful story. But there were playmakers on both sides of the ball in that UCF team. They can play with anyone. That's why I don't think they were ranked high enough. But bullying the committee, you don't bully the committee. In fact, I never attacked the committee once. It was a question of just saying, I don't think we are appreciated as much as a league. I don't think our strength of schedule is appreciated. And I don't think some of the standards that are applied are applied necessarily consistently. Those are observations, and I respect that committee. I know everybody on that committee. Uh, they're tremendous people. Never attack them personally. The question is just, I think people need to look at our league and say, hey, wait, that's a pretty good league, even though technically it's not a so-called P5 league. So you, we, you mentioned media rights, and, and we talk about coaches like Fuente and Rule and Tagger, and one of the reasons they're leaving is because of that revenue disparity. So. I know the, the question you probably get the most from your, your bosses, the athletic directors and the presidents and from everybody else is, you know, what is success? So I, I, guess I, I guess my question is, how would you define a successful new media deal for this conference? Well, I can't get into to numbers, but multiples of where we are in terms of revenue would really be important. And I don't okay. know what that number is, but multiples of what we have now, not just a, an incremental increase. That's not going to do it because our deal is so undervalued, it's, it's ridiculous. And, but again, Think about it. It was it was done when we were in disarray five years ago. Uh, we didn't even know we'd have a league. You know, we mm -hmm. were. It was a very tough thing, and you know, we didn't get uh, we didn't get uh, good press at the time. You know, people were on us a little bit, and I think that narrative has changed around completely. The, the, the quality of our football and basketball. I think we've had 60 games with a million viewers or more the last few years in, in football over over the period of the last several years. That's really remarkable. So, what would be a good deal? I would like to see you know, the kind of significant exposure we've been getting. And by the way, that's helped build our brand. That's helped build our league. Uh, we didn't get the money we wanted five years ago, but we got appearances on ABC. We had six appearances on ABC the last few years. Our championship game's been on ABC three straight years. Uh, we've had our, uh, our Friday, a great Friday game for three straight years on... Uh, on uh, Black Friday. Absolutely, on ABC. We've also had a lot of ESPN and ESPN2 games, and we've also carved out that Thursday-Friday niche, which is very important. Schools have been willing to do it. Uh, because they need to. They get that great exposure, though, on Thursday and Friday night, and it's been very valuable to ESPN. So, you know, CBS Sports Network has done a game of the week. We, we think that the online companies are going to have real interest in us down the road. I don't think there's any question about it, and that's going to be important. And I think we're hitting the marketplace at probably the right time. I'm not sure a few years ago, without the online companies being aggressive as they are and other networks not being aggressive, it would have been the best timing for us. But, you know, when you, when you think about it, I've said, Colin, a, a bunch of times, we're like JetBlue. You know, we, we don't have to be Delta or United or, you, you know, American. We can be JetBlue and still be a major carrier. JetBlue is a major carrier. They just have to do it differently. We're not flagship state universities for the most part, you know, but we're big, important universities like UCF and USF and ECU and Cincinnati and Houston and Memphis and Temple. They're important universities and they're big and they have, they have almost three million alumni. We have other smaller schools that academically can, can compete with anyone in the country, like Tulane and, uh, and SMU and Tulsa and the Naval Academy, of course, which is a unique institution. So we've got a lot going for us in that regard, and it's just a question of can we now, you know, we've, we've got great football, we've got excellent basketball, which is on the rise. We've got obviously the best women's basketball with UConn and, and a team like USF every year is a perennial. Uh, we've got excellent Olympic sports. We've got a lot of, of, of Olympic sports. We've got a, a league now with 13 teams, if you count Navy and, uh, and, and uh, Wichita. obviously Wichita playing one sport. 
are, well, uh, Navy plays football, Wichita plays Olympic sports as well. So I'm hopeful that we, we get a much better TV deal, but the issue will be exposure and revenue. We'd like to get both. And we'd also like to do something innovative. I think we'd like to look at, at what the, the big online companies are doing, you know, whether it's Facebook, Amazon, Google, whatever, and see whether there might be some way we can do something and we can be the, the so-called Google of sports conferences. You know, I think we've got a great canvas to work on. You know, a lot of these rights aren't going to be available for years and years, if ever. We're there. We're available. And if you want to get into premium quality content, I think we're the conference. One of the things that I see every campus in the SEC now and every campus in the ACC is building some sort of in TV viewing streaming network infrastructure. So basically, that women's soccer game on a Tuesday night is going to be available too. You know, and, and the people listening to this podcast across the conference, th those are the people that really care about that, you know, that soccer game or that care about that volleyball match. Mm -hmm. Would success to you look like having all of those Olympic sports? making sure that basically everything is accessible in some platform, whether it's if it's Facebook Live, if it's an over-the-top service, if it's something that's charged for, if it's something that's free, is that something that this conference should aim for, is having basically every game across all team sports covered? It's not only Colin, something we should aim for, it's something we're doing. Okay. We are evaluating now what our schools need to do to upgrade their production facilities so that they can produce hundreds and hundreds of games. We want essentially every event played to be produced. And some of it will be produced by the network, some of it they're going to expect us to produce. But it's going to mean a lot if we have the capability. In other words, everybody has their own truck, everybody has their own personnel. And, and students can get involved. This is a great educational experience potentially for students who can help on these telecasts. But, you know, as you know, ESPN3, the new ESPN Plus app, you know, other places, the, uh, the online companies, if you're going to do this kind of thing, you, you've got to be able to, your campuses have to be able to produce events. And, we're working with them now to make sure that they, they come up to speed. We haven't had to because almost all, all of our football games have been telecast and produced by ESPN, all of our basketball games pretty much. Uh, you know, a lot of our Olympic sports have been. We have our own digital network, as you know, and we do selected events, but we have to gear up to be able to produce literally, you know, thousands of events. And it's not just, it's important that people around the conference can see these games. That's important, obviously. But even if they have relatively small viewership, these online companies and ESPN and others, and, and they all pretty much have a digital network now or digital uh, offerings over the top streaming, they want events. You know, they need live events, and we're prepared, you know, we're getting prepared to do that. Uh, last question, and we may play with this at a, in a little. In fact, it is being reported by. Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette that Terry McCauley, the director of officiating for the conference, is no longer with the conference. Can you comment on that? No, no, Terry's still with us. What we've been doing is we've been exploring, and I've got to be careful here, but we've been exploring potentially a, a consortium with another conference. I don't want to get into the name of that conference. Okay. And, you know, we want to enhance our training. You know, we our resources aren't quite what, you know, the P6 have. Or we call it P6 now, the other P6. <laughs> and, and, and Bernie uh, Caffarelli, you know, our head of uh, communications often chides me for saying P5 when I should be saying P6. <laughs> but the point is, uh, we're concerned about you know making sure that we can do eventually, perhaps centralized replay, that we can do some of the oh. things you know, and, and and we can beef up our crews. You know, we've lost a lot of our people over the years uh, to um, you know other conferences. But Terry's with us, and Terry has done a phenomenal job. He's been he's been absolutely great for us over 10 years, and he's held things together. Once we were no longer a BCS conference, you know, we would occasionally lose some of our better officials to the so-called P5, and and that's been a hardship. But as you know, when you watch a football game in our conference, you see excellent officiating. And when you look around the league, the leagues, and you see some of what's happened, you know, controversies, we've escaped those for the most part. And you saw 
Our, our Friday game was about as rousing a game as you'll ever see. It was voted by Athlon as the best game of the year. I think it was universally acknowledged to be the best game of the year. Uh, and watching it beginning to end, it was. But uh, the officiating was great. The officiating in the championship game was terrific. Uh, we've had good officiating. We've been frustrated, too, that we haven't been able to officiate some of the bigger bowl games. You know, we're hoping down the road to do that. We also want to strengthen our ties with all the P6 conferences. Because, you know, some of them have named all our teams as, as worthy P5 opponents, like BYU, for instance, has been named. Some of our schools have been named. And we're hoping that uh, we can solidify scheduling. Because, you know, over the next 10 years, we want to schedule half our non-conference games against the so-called P5. That's really important. It's important for TV. It's important for us. TV knows that when we schedule those games, they're going to be competitive now. We can play with anyone. We have done. You know, even the games we've lost. Temple almost beat Notre Dame a few years ago. You know, we've had tremendous success. So, um, you know, with officiating, we're still we're exploring some things, but Terry is absolutely still with us. There have been rumors about possibly this office is moving to Dallas. Is there anything, any truth or rumors? To um, rumors? We've talked about that. I haven't been, um, you know, uh, coy about it. We're, we're thinking about it. We need to be closer to most of our schools eventually. You know, we've got a, a few years remaining on the lease, you know, in Providence. We've talked about potentially being in Dallas for a lot of reasons, you know, airport, Proximity to schools, kind of an epicenter of college sports there, college football playoffs there, you know, out of sight, out of mind sometimes. You know, other three other conferences there. You know, you have, um, you know, Steve Hatchell and the National Football Hall of Famer there. In addition, we have a team in the market, meaning everybody's coming in all the time, and you can see them. We no longer have that where we are. Uh, we've been happy in Providence, but it really, that was more a residue of the old Big East deal where the, the conference office was there. If we were starting this conference from scratch, that's probably not where you'd be. Uh, and I've been pretty upfront about it, and I've talked to our staff about the possibility, and I'm really pleased and proud that none of them have left on that basis. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know how many, if we did make a move like that, how many would go. Uh, we talked about it in our strategic plan that we're not certain we're going to do something like that, but we absolutely could do it. Uh, we're thinking about it. If the logical place would be Dallas because of airport and because of proximity. You know, we've got six schools in that general area now, and, uh, you know, you can easily get to our eastern schools from a place where every flight is direct almost. Right. So it's a possibility, not something that uh, it's definite uh, at all, uh, but we've, uh, we've told our people that it is a possibility. So thank you so much for the time. I, I know you talk about getting out of there. We both have to get out of here because you have to get to Orlando and I have to get back to Tampa. And we're in the middle of a, <laughs> a storm right now where we might get stuck for a couple of days. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm hopeful. You know, I think if, if it got that bad, I think we'd, we'd try to drive to another airport and try to get out, you know, if Boston. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to say whether the storm is going to hit tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, yeah. whether it's going to be rain, snow, whether, you know, the airports are going to have, you know be impacted here. I don't know. That's a good question. I hope you get back, though. And, and uh, you know, uh, we'll, I'm, I plan to go in Thursday morning because I've got a lot of work to do here tomorrow. There's a lot going on. And uh, if I can't get in, I'll get in later in the day or first thing Friday. They'll play the games without me, though, no question. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike. And again, Thanks, just the staff that we have here, all of us on this side of the world, we just see how hard everybody at the American works. We see the quality of these events. It's not just this event, it's the men's event, it's the baseball tournaments, it's the conference championship game. The staff that you have put together that works with us day to day on the ground is a number one and fantastic. And I think that's just a reflection of this league. Well, so I know you. there's challenges and financial and there's other things going on, but day to day on the ground, it's really excellent. Thank you, Colin. That's really nice of you to say. And I'm proud of the conference and I, I'm proud of our staff. I mean, Bernie and, and her communication people do a great job. You know, Jim Seidliski, we, we basically gave the responsibility of, of, of organizing these events to Jim Seidliski, our Olympic sports fellow, with his staff. 
and they have done a fantastic job. And Barb Jacobs does a great job with women's basketball. Nate Pomade, great job with, with men's basketball. We picked out good sites. You know, Orlando's a good place. Memphis next year, and then we'll be in Fort Worth for three years, and that's going to be a brand new arena. And yeah. it's within driving distance for so many of our schools. But I'm proud of our staff. They work really hard. Uh, they try to be, they have a service mentality. And I think these events are extremely well run, and that's a reflection on that. You know, it really is, for sure. Thanks, Mike. Much great. appreciated. You're welcome. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Nice thank to be with you. This is great.